You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them Kim Trails in the sky. Grand Rising, everybody. Welcome to the Day with Trey on this amazing Thursday. Got a great show for you today because Julia Jesse is in the building y'all so i'll get to talk to jules about all the things going on tonight on clapback you know i get to dive deeper with jules today because haru got stuck with a work project so sydney you love haru can't wait until the next thursday when you're back to give us another haru hill segment but that means I get to dive in deeper with Jules. So I'm really looking forward to that while she's in town. I'm trying to maximize my Jules time. Okay. So we had a great time yesterday. Looking forward to having her on the show today. But of course, y'all know it's the top of the show. So it's a great time for you to tag and share the stream. Please tag and share the stream with people you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on the David Trey. And if you can't watch us, we got you covered. You can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just Search Converge Media Network and the David Trey. We're on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it. A bunch of other platforms. I have no idea what they're called, but y'all know what they are. And if you have one that's your favorite, just search for us. I'm sure we're there because we're on over 200 plus platforms. So shout out to our crew over there, making sure that we're on all those platforms and that our audio is right. And shout out to all the listeners on both sides, whether you're watching or listening, we really appreciate you guys. And we appreciate when you're sharing it, share the podcast too, right? Like, Hey, this is really cool. What I'm hearing over here, let me, you know, let my folks know my family, my friends, you know, share it out. We appreciate you guys for doing that because right here in the black media matter studios, for us, it's about uplifting black stories and we want to do that. And it's it really it's inspiring content, I got to say, for all of the world to see. So we appreciate those global listeners on all these amazing podcasts. We even got some global watchers since we're on all these live stream services. So shout out to all of you out there as well. Well, you guys, uh, we have a great correspondent here, Cesar Canazales, who gave us some insight into something going on uh, right now with some of our young population and I'm sure parents out there who have young preschoolers are really excited about the opening of Tiny Tots. Just in time for the new school year, the Tiny Tots Development Center at Othello Square showcased the newest addition to the center, a first-of-its-kind outdoor learning center for preschool children. Kids here will be able to play and learn in an outdoor natural environment with garden beds, bench seating, and more. This type of setup encourages students to learn with hands-on activities and accelerates early childhood learning. There we go. Tiny Tot CEO Angelia Hicks-Maxi led the ribbon-cutting ceremony. She says the outdoor learning area is not exactly a playground. It's an extension of the indoor classrooms. The outdoor area stimulates children's curiosity to learn and improves their physical and emotional health. Hicks-Maxi said the children love the outdoor space and it's hard to get them back inside. It's hard for us to get them back in <laughs> because once they get out here, they find so many different interest areas and they're learning 
so many different things um, that it's hard to pull them away. But um, you know, we, lunch is one that gets them. When it's lunchtime, they'll, they'll, they'll come in. But it's been very um, rewarding to see them learn. The kids I spoke to were a little camera shy, but they enjoyed their outdoor classroom. I'm Edie. Your name is Edie? Yeah. I'm Caesar. How old are you? Two. Do you like this playground? But it's, are you learning? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your favorite thing in the playground? Um, vegetables. Which one? Vegetables. The vegetables? Yeah. The center is in Seattle's southeast side, easily accessible by light rail in the neighborhood. Funding for the development center came from PNC Bank, Seattle Children's, the City of Seattle, and other organizations. South Seattle historically has lacked the type of investments that downtown receives, but one representative from the city says that is changing. Absolutely. Leilani De La Cruz from Seattle's Department of Education says Tiny Tots is one of the city's longtime preschool partners. She said the city invested about $900,000 in this Tiny Tots expansion, and there are more investments to come to South Seattle as part of Mayor Bruce Harrell's One Seattle Vision. This development that you see here with uh, affordable housing, Seattle Children's Hospital, and Tiny Tots here to provide uh, preschool um, and childcare is an example of some of the public-private partnerships that can really uh, revitalize a neighborhood like South Seattle. Mitch Maxi says South Seattle has been neglected for a while, but she hopes the investment here is only the beginning. There has not been significant investment dollars in the infrastructure in this neighborhood. This project is amazing. The urban renewal that's going to happen in this square of Othello Square is going to be amazing. And it is the start of something that I hope is going to be lifelong um, investments for a neighborhood that is so diverse. And so diversity should be respected and not neglected. So I'm extremely excited that, about this project and what it means for the future. This tiny pot's development in South Seattle is off to a great start already. Angelia tells me they have 80 kids in the program already and 15 are on the waiting list. What an amazing feel-good story right there and an amazing opening. Shout out to Cesar Canizales for being on the ground, being able to report back on that amazing opening of Tiny Tots. There is also an amazing opening that is happening this week. There are several. One of them is the William Gross Center. Tonight, they are having their Creative Economy Pipeline Night. You guys, I have been on this for over a year. This has been such an amazing project that I've been able to participate in and really help to bring to fruition. I'm so excited that we will be doing some direct programming at the William Grow Center for on different levels, right? We're going to be getting young folks who are interested in creative careers, but have never really done anything in creative or production. We're going to give them some skills. So there's going to be some internal programming that they can do right there at the William Grow Center. And for those who have skills, been able to utilize them, maybe made some projects, did some productions, maybe they've done some things in their you know high school or their community but we want to give them an opportunity to directly connect with creative agencies for an intensive internship in these agencies so that they can take those skills and directly be hired on 
at one of these agencies right here throughout Washington that are producing some amazing commercials. So tonight, y'all, if you guys are interested in joining this and hearing more, seeing some of the interns that have already gone through a cohort with our first creative partner, All Is Well Studios, make sure you guys come tonight. Check out the Eventbrite link. You guys can register right there. Come through, see what we have going on. There's going to be some amazing food and drinks provided. Uh, shout out to the whole team who's been able to make this happen. Amira has been on it as the event planner. And we just, I just really appreciate you for everything that you've been bringing to it. But also I got to send a huge shout out to two of my partners. Uh, that would be James Keebliss and Winfield Ezel. Um, both of them have just been really integral in seeing this come to fruition. And of course, the entire team um, for William Grow Center and Africatown Community Land Trust. This has been such a huge collaborative effort. So I'm looking forward to being there tonight. And of course, later we got this opening. It's going to be happening, y'all, on Walk the Block uh, on this Saturday. I will be there. But this is also, as we heard earlier this week, going to be the opening of Art Noir. So a great, great opportunity for y'all to get out in community experience some of the amazing artistry that we have. We're talking about music, dance, artworks. You name it, you know, like we said, people that can draw, people that do sculptures, it's going to be phenomenal. Make sure you guys go right there. Uh, look for the tickets. You guys can find them uh, on at Wanawari. Make sure you guys register for this amazing event. And if you can't attend or can't attend, hey, it's also a great time to donate to the programs that are happening at Wanawari. They are very dedicated to being a cultural hub that is specific for very direct programming in the arts, but also using cultural hubs and kind of the repurposing of family homes in the Central District as a way to disrupt gentrification. So they have a ton of programs that we heard about earlier this week. Artists in residence, I mean, you name it, cultural programming, make sure you guys check them out and maybe you guys can just donate some money to their fund as Walk the Block is their annual fundraiser. They are looking to raise $100,000 for their programming in the next year. So the huge shout out to the whole Wanawari team. Can't wait to be with you guys on Saturday. Well, of course, this means it's about time for a break and I get to bring my girl, Julia Jesse in, who's coming up next after this short break. Julia is going to be giving us all the gems that are going on tonight on Clapback Culture. Uh, she won't give away too much, so you guys want to make sure y'all tune in tonight to Clapback, but definitely stay tuned after this short break so y'all can hear from Jules. You're watching The David Trey. Hey guys, Basic Garden here. On September 18th, we're all going to Cheney Stadium for the Summer Sky Music Festival featuring performances by Moneybag Yo, Glorilla, Tory Lanez, Polo G, and more. Grab your tickets right now at Ticketmaster.com and use code CONVERGE for a discount. Baseball is a beautiful game, especially when played in community. Earlier this summer, Baseball Beyond Borders took a powerful, eye-opening journey through the heart of the South, which included baseball, civil rights, and reconciliation. Our young kings hosted a baseball clinic at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, and hit the road to Montgomery, Alabama, by way of the historic Edmund Pettus Bridge, to visit the Equal Justice Initiative Museum and Memorial, all in an effort to ground our kings in their history and find serenity in the sport they love. 
enough to preserve the cultural legacy. Join Baseball Beyond Borders on September 27th for the premiere of our film, Reconciliation Tour, at T-Mobile Park's Alice Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line as well as special guests as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit BaseballBeyond.org or check our social media platforms. Grand Rising, and welcome back, everybody, to the day with Trey. Right now, I get to talk to my girl, Julia Jesse about all things clapback. What up, Jules? What's up, Trey? Holiday. <laughs> welcome to my living room set, my it's friend. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I said, okay, ambiance. Yeah, right. You did all this for me, girl. Hey, hey, we trying to put it together. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Fly Be Unique, Miss, you know, Onika for finding the ways to bring about the color. Her, I told her, her I needed the color on the set, so I'm so glad it fits your personality so i love it yeah it worked out well you know you know we were talking a little bit before the show about some of the things that you're going to be talking about tonight but man let's start with this whole what purge law tell me more about this listen so you guys there is a new law out and it is called uh the safety t like tom act right but on social media trey all these TikTokers and social media have really picked this up in an effort to label it as the purge law. So I don't know if you remember the purge, you guys, but the purge is that movie that came out back in the 2000s. And there's um, a a 24 hour period where people just get to break the law without any repercussions. Well, sis, this is not that. And I am here and going to be talking about it on Clapback tonight to debunk this misinformation. So I'm going to give you guys the real language in the bill. So we can have a real good conversation about it. So here's the tea, you guys. Starting January 1st, Illinois um, will pass what's called the Safety Act. OK, and this stands for safety, accountability, fairness and equity today. Um, and it's what it's going to do is it's going to eliminate cash bail. And here's why this is great. Well, eliminate cash bail for the following crimes. Now stay with me, sis, because it's, it's, it's sounding crazy, but it's going to eliminate cash bail for these criminal offenses. Secondary murder, aggravated battery, arson, drug-induced homicide, kidnapping, bur- burglary, robbery, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official. Sorry, Trayon. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Madam Mayor. Um, but in a, in a number of other things. Now, this sounds dangerous, right? Like we're, you hear second degree murder and you're thinking, oh my gosh, like this is going to endanger the community if we're just letting people out um, without cash bail. But really what we're not talking about is that these are not um, non-detainable defenses. So judges will actually still be able to determine whether or not they want to um, detain uh, the, the, the suspect, right, or the person at large, um, to say whether or not they want them to be held in a jail. Now, conservatives and a small group of them have really flooded social media with this misinformation and wrongly claiming that the law creates this non-detainable offenses um, because they want it to scare people. It's a scare tactic when really, you know, this is something that's really going to help out people who just don't have money for bail. Mm -hmm. So imagine we're innocent until proven guilty and you go before a judge and the judge 
you know, in pretrial services, you know, for a lot of people who have not been in a courtroom, it's scary. But pretrial services makes a determination to say, you know, are you a, a risk to the community and your fellow peers? Like, are you where does the safety and the threat level live within the community? And it allows the judge to make those decisions and really looking at the whole person. So their criminal offense and the person as a whole. What does this look like in combination and removing that cash bail? Because if you're not a threat to the community, but you can't make five thousand dollars bail, at that point, you're being prosecuted for being poor. Mm. And so this law is ridding that and changing the system to say, based on these following criminal offenses, we're not going to hold a cash bail because it doesn't determine whether or not you are a threat to your community. So I'm really glad to put this information out because I want to have a conversation with you about this. New York has or is already doing this. New Jersey has this in place. Some some of these offenses also fall in Washington, D.C. And there's not this huge uptick in in safety hazards or mm -hmm. anything like that. So, you guys, if you guys are on TikTok or if you're on social media and you see this, please read. Go do your research. Pull up a credible article and read through it. Don't just listen to the 30 seconds on TikTok and think that the purge is now going to take over the state of Illinois because that is not what is happening here. <laughs> well, I just love that you have done a deep, deep uh, understanding, a deep dive on this. You know, this is what's required. But also, too, we talk about this often that we are uh, fueled by the headlines of the story, not the story themselves. And so this is another example of what that looks like. But it's on us to really educate ourselves on it. And we also know that there's this idea of sensationalizing headlines and stories that is like that's what is, you know, having people flood to them because they are over sensationalized. So that's one of those things where it's like, of course, they would say, oh, my God, now it's the purge because calling it the purge law allows for the algorithm to go crazy. Now everybody's on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the truth oftentimes gets buried um, in a lot of these algorithms that we're talking about when it comes to social media. So it is important for you to do the, the best research you can to be informed so that you know it is particularly for those that this is going to impact out there in Illinois. Right. Like 100%. they should all be the ones like that are on this, looking at this, understanding what it means. But I think that this is, uh, you know, for me, I'll say this a step in the right direction. The reason why is because we also understand that there is a classism that is embedded in our criminal justice system that has really allowed for those with the means and the resources to get away with certain things that those without the resources have not been able to do. And right. so being able to alleviate and eliminate that barrier right there, that's going to be key. Because money doesn't determine safety, right? right. If a judge says that, okay, you can be released on bail. Your bail is $10,000 and you need to pay 10% or whatever the case may be. If you can't make that $1,000 bond, you know, d how does that, how does that mitigate the risk? I mean, a person is still being released. It's not like you get the money back, right? Right. It's not like, you know, I mean, in a real weighted case, when people are on trial fighting for their freedom or fighting for their innocence, right? Because we are innocent until proven guilty. You it, just because things are laid out and you're charged with something, the burden of proof is on the prosecution to say how you are, a risk to the community and, and how everything else weighs out in the court of law. This is criminal justice reform. And that is why we're seeing the algorithm 
as such. It's being served to us in this purge law um, as a fear tactic in order for us to say, oh, no, we don't want this. Yeah. Because when you hear something like second degree murder, you're thinking, oh, my God, killers are on the loose. Second degree murder says can be something as simple as, you know, someone was potentially driving under the influence. They've had multiple DUIs and they killed somebody in the process of the DUI. There's a lot of different circumstances that need to play into that. Is there, you know, was there blood alcohol level above the legal above the legal limit? Were they actually under the influence? Um, You know, you know, uh, anything. I mean, there's so many things that you can think about. Right. Kidnapping. What if you what if you are a single a single mom? Maybe it's a co-parenting situation and you took your child off in the day that wasn't your day. And now your baby father is tripping and you're charged with kidnapping. Yeah. There's so many things that, you know, that our, our criminal justice system labels, right? Because we, we have to have categories. We also have the right to be able to fight and say, I'm innocent of these charges. I may not have the money to pay for the courts to let me out, but I'm going to fight this case and prove my innocence. And so um, I think a lot of people need to really think about that, Trey, and that, it's so important for us to not charge people in the beginning, like not not indict them in the beginning and say, OK, you're guilty. Now prove your innocence. Yeah, that's it. That's unfortunately, I think, where we are, though, as a society, the minute that you're charged with something, everybody assumes you're guilty. It, it's not really this innocence until proven guilty. And this is really the part for me where it disproportionately impacts black indigenous and Latino and, you know, communities. It is true. We know this, like those of the global majority, non-white people experience these disparities more than anybody else in our society here in America, 100%. throughout all of the different states. Now, I know that this is one of those things where it's like it's state by state, you know, states get to choose. But we, if we were really being honest here, we would understand that the data already showcases this, that this is how the, the criminal justice system in, in, you know, disproportionately impacts communities of color. So, I mean, we, we could say it like, oh, you know, it's this or it's that, but really we know, like, it, you know, it, we know what it does. So I love that this is one of those things that they can alleviate from the system. What else you got uh, tonight? Girl, <laughs> this is this is something else that's pretty trifling. But, you know, I love to talk about our criminal justice system. So there's a young woman. She's 17 years old. She committed um, a crime when she was 15 years old and she was a adopted child, um, had a pretty hard life background and, you know, fled her circumstances from her adopted mother and was staying in different apartment hallways and got swept up into human trafficking. Well, one of the, she was 15 years old at the time and she was being forcibly raped, um, you know, being used as a a prostitute, being trafficked. um, And, you know, they were basically floating her around and forcing her to have sex with multiple different men. And on one night, uh, her trafficker was asleep and she stabbed him 30 times. And ultimately he passed away due to his injuries. Well, she was charged um, and convicted and a part of her. So but she she got off. Right. Like she only has five years of probation. 
Um, and now she has to pay $150,000 to the estate of her human trafficker. So people are going crazy about this and saying, why? She's the, she's the, the victim in this situation. You know, she's a survivor of this situation, but she is a victim and has to be paid. I mean, has to pay $150,000 to this man's estate um, because it's just in an, it's the Iowa law. Um, and so the outrage is being kicked in to say, listen, a judge has already suspended her sentence, right? This crime can go up to a minimum of 10 years um, while she's on probation if she, um, you know, does anything, you know, outside of the, the rules of her probation, she can serve up to a maximum of 10, 20 years. So she's got a lot of, you know, this five years of probation is not, you know, it's not a cakewalk. I mean, this girl has to go through a lot in order to get her second chance. And the judge is really peppering her saying like, what are you going to do differently? Because she's, she is having challenges. And we've, we've heard this story so many times. I mean, you and I can think of women, you know, back, back in the day, even currently who live this life, who's, you know, you know, being swept up, um, and being uh, sold to other men and really feeling like I don't have a way out. Mm -hmm. And at some point you say, how do I get out of this? And at 15 years old, you stab a man 30 times who's raping you on a consistent basis and forcing you to have sex with other men. I mean, there's a lot of trauma in that. And then to say at 17 years old, a judge has already said, listen, you have absolutely been a victim of your circumstances. And, you know, they're not charging you with this murder and having you serve all, all this time. But to have to pay one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the man's estate who. He was thirty seven years old and she's she was 15. I mean, I just can't imagine how that is. And that's just because that is how the law is set. You know, this is why we talk about the, the laws being antiquated. Right. We talk about. Um, the need for real reform because something like that needs to be eliminated, right? Uh, like I was just uh, talking about this in terms of, and this is something completely different, but it made me think about some of the things that are ridiculous and just because they're law, mm -hmm. you know, like here in Washington state, <clears throat> Uh, elected officials and policymakers can't say we are going to invest this direct money into black communities because of a law. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's all this colorful language that has to be used in order to direct resources into under uh, underserved communities, you know, communities who have been the most marginally, you know, have been the most marginalized communities have been the most impacted by X, Y, Z. The ways that we have to be creative about that is because of a law. So I was like, well, then why do we have that law, right? Like it should be gone because data already shows that this is where money needs to be invested. Something like this with this young woman who uh, is still a teenager mm -hmm. and finds herself in a predicament like this, that sh she should not have to pay anything. How about all of the the, the money that was uh, on the literal back of her, right? That this man was able to make off of his trafficking Come her. On. Like it, it goes to it, it, the fact that there's some Iowa law that then says, well, because you killed this man uh now you actually have to pay some sort of restitution for you know yeah. to his estate it's ridiculous Jules this yeah. is one of those things where I say you know we have a lot of work to do in this country to change the ways that we actually 
you know, look at laws, the ways that we uh, police our communities, the ways that we try to be safe in our communities. Some of these laws are just like, when did you create this? This was old and, and really it probably applied to a very specific situation at the time it was written mm-hmm. that no longer really applies. And we see this often too, where the, like the application of something it is it's changed it changes things progress and laws don't progress with our, our society that one needs to be written out that's crazy and that's why you know when we talk about these mandatories these mandatory minimums these mandatory laws i mean we look at we can look at the, the biden administration when he was a state you know senator and pushing you know laws to have these mandatories it doesn't allow judges to really go outside of what the mandate is right because there's a set of guidelines that a judge has to rule in. And so the judge wasn't able to go outside of this and say, okay, we're going to suppress this restitution. But, you know, he did his best by saying, because here's the thing, her attorneys and the prosecution and police officers don't argue that she was sexually assaulted and trafficked, right? There, there's no dispute in the facts here. Um, but to have this law, this layer to say, okay, you have to pay your abuser, who hurt you $150,000 to his estate is like punishment in and of itself when he was making money off your back. Yeah. So I don't know. This is, um, this is something to think about. And again, you know, it's why, you know, I look at the state of Illinois and that safety act. And I think about, you know, if people would do their research and actually read and take the time to get off social media and actually read what the bill and legislation says for themselves and what it says in black and white, we will really begin to make true steps and real leaps in criminal justice reform. Well, I agree with you. You got some hot topics going on tonight, Girl. but you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, you also made an amazing announcement. Yeah. I want to share with my audience because <laughs> Miss Jules, tell us about uh, your new addition. What's going on with you, you guys? I'm having a baby. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Um, so Rodney and I are having a baby. It's a blessing. I am five months as of this week. Um, so hopefully I'm carrying well. Do I look good on camera? Yeah, there you go. You look great. (laughs) I'm trying to hide the belly because I'm like skinny all over. And then it's like, I don't, I look like I got a beer belly. I was telling my doula that this morning. She was like, girl, you need to embrace how you're looking. So hopefully I'm carrying well. I'm staying active. I'm staying fit. Um, I'm trying to do my best to eat as healthy as possible. I don't have all these like cravings that are coming from pregnancy. I'm having cravings because I just like junk food, you guys. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to just stay in the best shape and the best health of my life at this point. And I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for you. I mean, you know, uh, kudos to everything. We were giving you all the big ups over here. You know, uh, Rodney and you being reconnected again. Now a uh, new addition to the family. Just all around. Congratulations to you. you. Make sure you look right there. Let folks know how they're catching up with you and on Clapback tonight. All right, you guys. So I will be live in studio to host Clapback Culture tonight at 7 p.m. on all Converge Media platforms. Please pull up tonight. I'm going to have a great show. We're also going to talk about uh, the death of PNB Rock. So you guys definitely want to come in, check out what we're going to talk about and kind of break down some misinformation about that as well. So I'll see you tonight at 7 p.m. Right on. Thanks so much, Jules. Thanks all the love to me. you. Absolutely. What a great show, you guys. I get to wrap it all up and share another uh, amazing event that's going on uh, this month, you guys, right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching the day with Trey. 
Hey there, it's Trey Holiday. And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Faisa. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a great show today with my girl, Julia Jesse in the building. Make sure you guys check her out tonight on Clapback. Looks like there's a lot to dive into, and I'm glad we got to talk about a couple of the topics right here on this show. Of course, you guys know, for me, I want you to be inspired. Um, but one of the things that I want to get back to that was really inspiring to me was having Jazz from Seattle on the show, y'all. So make sure y'all are copying your tickets to Words and Wine 3 also, another amazing event that's going on, celebrating the culture of, you know, how we connect, you know, with words and, you know, music and beats and, you know, spoken word artists. I mean, just an amazing time. Jazz has done a really great job of pulling this event together. Uh, that's coming up on October 25th. Make sure you guys cop your tickets for that. But you guys, I, I always want y'all to be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. Doesn't matter what it is that you bring out, but when you're doing it in collaboration with your community, community, uh, with your neighborhood, with, you know, family and really, uh, being, doing something that is imparting on maybe the next generation. There's a plethora of ways that you can see yourself as a part of the solution as Jules is doing. And, and we be having full-time jobs and still finding time to be a part of the solution. So I know y'all can too. Of course, I want you to walk away with that inspiration. And tomorrow we'll be having another finance Friday. Kamaria Howard will be back in the building, giving us some more finance tips. We can all need use them. We need them. We need to find our ways of creating generational wealth in our community. So I'm so glad she'll be joining me tomorrow. And until then, at 11 a.m., y'all, peace. <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.